0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Welcome back to the French Rookie Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Scotland Back Row, Johnny Beattie and former France hooker, Benjamin Kayser, who is normally moaning about the British weather, Benji. But this week, have you been enjoying the snow or what?
2: <laughs> I was going to moan even more. I mean, we had, we, had, <laughs> we had three days. We had three days of beautiful, beautiful sunshine that was heavenly good once the snow passed. Basically, we had a few days that just you can't beat, right? The, 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 the snow, the snow is, is amazing, but it didn't stick in my garden. No. but mate, It's going to take me a long time to stop moaning about the British weather. <laughs> when you're stuck in your house doing stuff, you know, all, all day, and then when you want to put a foot outside, it's three o'clock in the afternoon, the sun's already gone. Oh, I would like to be with Johnny right now.
3: Mate, it's pissing it down here. It's been raining for two weeks. like You're not missing out. Don't worry at all. I've been enjoying <laughs> your, your running videos, though, for Doddy Gump. <laughs>
2: How have you been mate, finding I, it? I hate running. I absolutely hate running, but I have,
3: No,
2: no, <laughs> no. But I have a feeling that basically it's it's it, it it what it's what allows me to clock in as many miles as I can without having any equipment. Yeah. Uh, I've got a bike, but I've got electric bike. It's impossible not to press that button. It's too tempting, you know, to be like, just oh. accelerate. And then it's the, it's the best thing I've ever, I've ever had. It's a, it's, it's a French brand, but it's like co-designed with Eden Park. So I got it through my shops and stuff. It is the best piece of kit I've ever had. You can go basically 35, 40 miles. And whenever there's a steep hill, it just takes you a little bit longer and a little bit more effort than if you're running flat, but or going on the flat uh, road, but barely. So it's outstanding.
1: I don't want to insult you here, Benji, but is this an admission that you've been cheating for for Donny? Have, have you been on the electric bike clocking up no, miles? No, no, no.
2: <laughs> if anything, it's admission of of something else. That If I didn't clock as many miles as I would want to, it's because I actually have been running them <laughs> three four miles basically is my absolute maximum and after that i'm dead meat so i've been trying to do that i've been trying to chip in a little bit basically the videos of you know the captain rory lawson rory on running on north berwick beaches for like 11 12 miles that's not me but it's not gonna happen you know the guys whenever they take a picture of the map they've just run that's not going to be me because mine would be a little <laughs> lake, a little pond in the in my local park. Where you just see little circles, and you see ones going. Guy, he walked there, then he jogged a little bit, then he walked again, then he jogged a little bit. So I'm I'm not publishing that. Just bringing you a number. I oh, am yeah. right. Two k, three k. That's about it. it. Took me four weeks to do it, but it's alright.
1: Benji, we learned last week. It's all about intensity. It's not about long distances. It's, it's, told it's us high
2: intensity 100%. training, mate. Mate, hundred percent. I I really enjoyed last week. I thought he was brilliant um i thought he was he made a lot of sense right uh he almost w- made me want to train a little bit more i mean that's, that's <laughs> wow that's that's, that's pressing the reason the electric
3: button
2: <laughs> <Pressing> the- <laughs> exactly you gotta adapt but you know it makes me realize my well, whatever the if i never scored 60 meter tries it's got nothing to do with my abilities because he wasn't there right
1: you didn't have Thibaut. exactly that's that's the that's the only thing that kept me from it <laughs> i was going to ask you is obviously at the top of his game but we didn't really talk about your experiences of guys doing Thibaut's role so uh, have you come across some guys that maybe <laughs> weren't quite as good as Thibaut
2: oh mate it's definitely m- most absolutely definitely I'll tell you what the, my best worst experience was is so I've been lucky honestly to be Thibaut is actually good mates with a, a former guy who who <laughs> he's a bit of an arrogant fucker but they always have to be right every time he goes to the club, he wins so he's the former conditioner for Italy called Alex Marco and he was in Stade Francais with me we won it he went to Buritz No, where did he go again? Yeah, he did went to Buritz before before Thibaut. So he didn't went there. But he went to Toulouse. They won it. He went back to Stade Français 2015. They won it, and he went to. Italy. He, he is very good. I have to say, he's in Toulon now. He actually replaced Thibaut, and he's always been very very good. And Stade Français actually based their uh, the the the. The lead they had on other teams in the in the mid 2000s thanks to that thanks to proper conditioning where before it used to be you know run around the track and nothing to do with with power nothing to do with with short distance but intensity and all that stuff so i was lucky to do that then i went to leicester it was i thought i was drafted in the nfl really completely different you like protein shakes and one conditioner for four or five guys the whole year really really professional stuff so i was i was very lucky but Then I went. I went to Castre, and I don't want to slag him off too much because he still is in the game. He still, yeah. he's, he's not in Cast, but he's he's gone to a, he's gone to a racing now. He followed the Laurent Travers and Laurent Labit. It was Gilbert Gas Gascou? Gastou? No, Gascou, I can't remember? And he was a former uh, athletics, really good individually, a really good athlete. All we did was run. It was like you know, you do the the, the twenty twenties, like you do hundred meters, basically, you do a lap. You do a, a sprint of a, a length of a, of a pitch, you rest for for 20 seconds, then you go again. And then the first is that you did 10. Then the second one is that you did two times 10. And then the third week, you did three times 10. That was how he would build, you know, your sort of your volume of running. And then one day he comes up to me. He's not got to do so much about conditioning, but it's more overstepping. And he goes, Mate, I, I need to see you throw. Is that what? Sorry? So, like, yeah, I need to see you throw. <laughs> is that I, so are you the throwing coach now? And he, and he took it really badly, but I was actually genuine. I was like, "The condition is asking me, I need to see you throw." And then, but he, you know, he said it in the way like, "Mate, I need to see you throw." And then I'm like, "All right." And then he's like, "Oh, listen, because I saw all those disc throwers and you know those javelo How do you call it, javelin? You know those yeah, javelin, that, yeah, the javelin, whatever. And they used to do this. So you take it, you need to take one two step and throw like this. And I'm looking at like, <laughs> all right, session over, and I just left." And then I went and then I, I actually called him sort of in the office and I, I told to Laurent Travers that, might I really like you, Gilbert, but it's the absolute last time you ever chip in about, about about throwing. You can give me Laurent Travers, who played hooker and stuff, can give me opinions. But the guy was actually telling me to throw one handed, take two steps and then throw that thing. I <laughs> was like, grenade! Rugby's moved on. You know, it's five points for a try now. It's not four points. <laughs> it's, 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 this is way too far. So it's not really shit conditioners. It's just conditioners thinking they're a bit too big for their shoes, you know?
3: Above their statement, I we had the exact same. I, got, I can't remember his name. He used to be the, the Bordeaux conditioner and he just breaks people, like tears their calves. Everyone tears muscles because he's got no way of gauging how much they're, they're meant to do. He just destroys people. He's at on just now. Uh, <laughs> Ludovic Lusto. Oh, mate, he's an idiot. Um, <laughs> Total ass as well. But that, his last thing was, again, above the station. Like He used to be a player, great, but you're an s coach. So don't tell people how to play rugby. But he spent half of his time trying to tell people how to execute a three-on-one or a, and you're just like, mate, shut up, leave us alone. But we had, like, I've had a real mixed bag. And you'll know Ludo as well, like his reputation is he just, he breaks people, tears muscles, doesn't care. And then spends his entire day screaming at people. Like just a bloke you do not want to work with. No, you don't want to train for, just like a horrible bloke. But I've had some good ones. Like contrary to what came out of last week, I actually really enjoyed, there's a guy called um, Mark Mio at Cast, who's an athletics coach. And just on like pure athletics and running style, he was really good. He worked with Laurent Arbo, who's the mm-hmm. top 14 record tri-scorer, who's still, I think he's setting up, he's maybe in Perpignan now? I think so, yeah. And those guys were actually quite good fun to work with. But it was more just the contrast in style between arriving in France. Everything is still very much long distance. Even at cast, it was, you know, run 400 meters, then 300, then two like long distance stuff, which killed, like I'm the same as you, Benji, anything more than hundred meters and I'm cooked but I think you've you've put an important point you said you have to enjoy
2: it so never a bit like we said you know the foreign coaches will come to France and if they don't fit to the culture and the values if they try to bully guys it will last for a little bit but then the French will stand up and tell tell them to get stuffed
3: well it's the
2: same idea with the conditioners they're not you know the chubby guy who's like run around the track run faster (laughs) have you ever seen that documentary I think is brilliant about Usain Bolt his, his Jamaican trainer Oh, right. my, is is absolutely brilliant. Apparently, he's legendary good trainer, his, his, his coach. And, uh, and there's this massive documentary. And all he does is that like, he does, like, laps or 100 meters, 200 meters. And you can see that he's with a little clock, you know, barely, like, clicking, and go, faster, you saying, faster. <laughs> and then he goes again. And then he clicks and he goes, faster, you saying, faster, man. <laughs> Mate, I can do that. <laughs> Easy. So I'm sure there was more to it. I'm sure there was more to it. But it always cracked me up. Like, the fastest man in the world. His gosh is just telling him, just go
1: faster, mate. Probably a pretty good job being Usain Bolt sprint cage. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) And Thibaut, he wasn't, he wasn't afraid to to say that they broke a few in the lead up to the World Cup. And leading into to this week, Varimuri Bakatawa obviously is going to miss the Six Nations with a knee injury. But what is going on with Gregory Aldrick? Because he was released from the squad. Then he played, scored two tries for La Rochelle. Apparently he's got to have a scan on his knee. But is this another Club V country thing? Um,
2: it's not a club v country but it's definitely setting the priority so from what i gather he, he had an arthroscopy so he, uh, not an arthroscopy an arthroscan it's one yep. of those scanners where they need to inject a gel and a liquid inside the ligaments you know to see where they yeah. move that, that yeah that ink thing and obviously you can't play after that for a couple of it might not be three weeks i didn't remember it being three so it must it must be a little bit more than what we think or maybe it's in a special place of his knee or something but exactly like you said there's a difference between oh, I, I can't play for the French team, but actually I'll play on the Saturday. And the, why didn't he have that, that, that you know, that the last Monday, and then actually win a week and be, be able to come back a week earlier for the French team? That's clearly La Rochelle saying, listen, in the current situation, with everything that's going on, we are going to prioritize the club.
3: But from the French Federation side, they've probably also said, look, we're playing against Italy first game up. So it's maybe not the biggest loss we could do with them for the back end of the tournament as well. So as much yeah. as it might be a club v country, I think it's a club and country sort of organizing together. Also these Arthur scanners, they take time to like, they're quite a not intrusive, but you need to book in and it's a serious thing. So I think the Federation and La have probably actually work together to I find the so. best slot. Um, and which has meant that he has it on Monday. So he misses the camp and he can't then move into camp because they're in their bubble, but he can join up for the second block of games. So as opposed to it being a club v country, I think they've actually worked together and, and,
1: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
4: A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change?
0: Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Well, we touched on the world of uh, fitness, strength and conditioning last week with Thibaut, and we can delve behind the scenes a little bit more now as well into the glamorous, but maybe sometimes also a little bit murky world of transfers and contracts in French rugby, because we've got former international rugby player, but now top agent, Jamie Noon. How are you?
4: Not so bad, thank you very much. Not too bad. In these difficult times, difficult times, put it that way.
1: Absolutely. and Set the scene for us before we start. Just um, give us a lay down. Where are you living? What does a normal day, a normal week look like for, for you as an agent?
4: Well, uh, I live in Brieves still. So I, I retired in Brieves and then stayed there. Um, but our office is in Toulouse, so I work with a French company. Uh, there is no typical week, to be honest. Uh, everything changes. We're all over the place. We're always in the car. We're always travelling. I work with, uh, there's five other agents in the agency. We do we do a mixture of different things. We've got loads of stuff going on, so we're all over the place. Uh, obviously, France is massive, so um, to get around, to see people, to see clubs, we, we have to be on the road. So we were constantly travelling.
3: How did you fall into it, mate? Like When you finished, was it something you sort of somebody just asked the question, like I'm assuming you finished in Brieve and you took your chomage, as everyone does. And then when you're exploring different avenues during chomage, did it just come up and you thought, I'll give it a crack or how did it come about?
4: No, it was a little bit before that, to be honest, because I, well, one of your, one of your ex-colleagues, uh, Mike Blair, Mike Blair, The Blade. Uh, <laughs> the Blade. He joined us. So I think, I think a deal fell through and he ended up joining, uh, joining brief And before he arrived, he'd already signed, but before he arrived, he, Contacted me to ask me just to help him out with some bits and pieces, and I helped as so much as I could. And then throughout that whole year, it was kind of like a bit of a running joke that he owed me ten percent of his salary and <laughs> that kind of thing. And and then as your time sort of winds down, you're kind of obviously looking at avenues and, and what can you do, what skill set do you have, and 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 how can you best use that moving forward? You know, and like I've got three children. We were settled in France. We made a massive effort. Uh, when we first arrived and so we kind of wanted to stay stay put and stay on I I felt like my career finished maybe a year too early Um, I wanted to do one more but then it was an element of like well with regard to my post career uh, is it is it best to try and chase a one-year deal somewhere or stick to stick to breeze, stick to a place where they know me and, and I know them and where potentially I might have an opportunity to get some work. So the rugby agency thing, I, I had a look into it. I spoke to a load of agents in the UK. I spoke to a load of uh, agents in France. I had a, um, had a good look around and, and sort of contacted and, and met with a load of uh, these agents. And I felt like with the language and with my experience as a player and of having been uh, in the UK and in France, I felt like there was something I could give back. Um, there's a lot of agents that maybe don't necessarily have the rugby playing experience, so I felt that was an, an area that I could add add to the uh, to the métier, to the to the to the work, as it were. And um, so I ended up meeting a load of people, and, and someone gave me an opportunity to work a, as an intern, I suppose, and 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 sort of see how. It felt for me and with me and with the family and we ended up sort of uh, going down that road and, and, and that's the agency that I signed with.
1: And it's 10% about the going rate, Jamie, and did you ever get that off Mike or not? <laughs> yeah,
4: no. <laughs> and everyone got a frigging coffee off Mike, the Scottish. <laughs> they're, always, they're always difficult to squeeze every morning because he was always late every morning. I was there with the coffees waiting for him. So.
2: Great, great laylaw told me once, every pound's a prisoner. Yeah, so That's. I think. I think those Scots. They they live by that, don't they?
4: Actually, uh, Greg, before he came and and joined in uh, Claremont, he came to Breve and was looking around Breve. and so uh, I was asked uh, by Breve to just sit, just chat to him about the the, the place and.
2: Well, you didn't do a great job, mate? Because he <laughs> didn't come into
4: us. Maybe I did. Maybe I
2: did. <laughs> or maybe you did. Maybe you're kind enough to actually push him towards towards us. Just a quick question. I've 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 bumped into a hell of a lot of, of of agents who don't have the best reputation of integrity and all that. And and I know that you had that reputation as a player of being a tough, hardworking, reliable, honest. The, one of those pillars of a team that you could sort of base base your spirit on both in England and I know that you adapted really well in in, in Brave, and at the end you just could, like you said you make a massive you made a massive eff, effort sorry you and your family to learn French to buy into the culture to buy into the the, the, the atmosphere of the area and stuff which not everybody does and I think we, we speak we speak about it on this podcast pretty much every week of the good examples the bad examples you know definitely one of the good ones does that legitimacy or that credibility does that help you? obviously to engage um, conversations with players but also to engage conversations with those cheeky cheeky presidents that that are everywhere in top 14 or is that just it gets you through the door but then you still need to deliver the the, the rest of the stuff i think there's an element
4: of both i think there's you know what one i suppose one uh, one downside to the agency world is that you know it's it's it, it can be a little bit difficult at times to manage you're trying to manage everybody's relationship um, you're trying to manage, you know, obviously trying to keep the player happy, trying to keep a club happy, and a potentially a couple of other clubs who are interested in the player happy as well. And and that's that's a really difficult task to do. Without, again, there's lots of horror stories, and there is lots of stuff that does go on. And and you know, I'm not going to delve into any of that. But
3: hey, that's why you're here. You have to delve into that. <laughs> you move
4: a player. You move a player from a club. At that club, you're the snake. You're the one that's done something, even though. Maybe they didn't offer the right deal or they didn't show him the love or they were looking elsewhere or all the other aspects that, you know, for that period of time, they forget about. Um, So my my big thing and, and something that I sort of try to continue to strive to do is is to just be me. I have a uh, like you said i I had an approach to playing the game um i was a hard worker i had little in 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 the way of skill set but i made up with it with with an element of determination work rate um you know and i felt like i wanted to do myself justice but also you know i I fought hard for the club um for, for both my clubs and for the players around me i wanted to gain the respect from players around me and i tried to do the same as an agent i don't want to be No, I think that I will probably, you know, win some battles as a result, but I'll also lose some battles as a result because there's a lot of other agents who are willing to do uh, a lot worse than I'm willing to do, if that makes any sense. They're going to go a lot further than I'm going to go because um, of my integrity and also because of my honesty, I think. Um, And I think... When I first started, I spoke to a guy called Simon Cohen, who was at uh, uh, Leicester. I'm not sure if he was still there. you knew that.
2: Yeah, he was director of rugby when I was there.
4: So he was my first agent um, when I first started playing the game. 18 year old, I think he was Doddy's agent. He, he had Johnny. He had uh, Stevie Borthers. They had load of like top top players. Um, and he was, uh, you know, he was a good agent in that sense. He, was, he gave me loads of advice. He gave me, and, and I had a good chat with him when I was talking about the agency stuff. And he said that. I probably wouldn't make a great agent because I'm too honest. Um, and I've, I've had that come up in, in the past. And I think sometimes with regard to creating and maintaining relationships, being honest is actually sometimes the best way. If Even if the news is not necessarily great to take from the player's perspective or also from the club's perspective, my approach is to tell them as it is i think to try and try and be sort of relatively direct no not necessarily sort of like sugarcoat anything because it's a waste of my time but it's also a waste of their time you know you as a player you want to know exactly what's happening where you're at with things you know and there's there's lots going on and even more so now with covid and uh with with salary cuts with uh, budget cuts and, and and all those things but from, from my perspective, I think if you give it to the player straight, then whether it's good or bad news, they can, they can do with it as they please and, and manage it. If, if I don't give them it or wait on it or sit on it or hold it, then that makes it even worse. And I think that uh, sort of, that is an area where I think being honest, being direct is, and being straight is actually a, is a good way to do things.
3: But then that really quickly flies and get like, for instance, if you're a like, we've all been in the same boat. If, you ha- if you're if you a player and your agent is constantly feeding you crap, obviously every time you sit down to the coffee with your mates, you're like, my agent is bonkers. He's talking absolute garbage. He's stringing me along. And your reputation shots, so, like you don't last very long if you're not credible and you're not authentic and you can't actually deliver the truth to people. And... Um, players appreciate the non-bullshit aspect. That's 100%. But one of the beauties of your position, and, and when I came over to France, I had a Welsh agent. It was Rhys Parsons at Esportif. One of the beauties is having some sort of neutrality. I felt having a Brit or somebody that was slightly detached meant that it wasn't somebody that was from Toulouse that would be in bed with a president from Toulouse. Um, they were slightly removed, which is where I think probably one of your strengths lie. Um Because when you come over, you realize that there's like certain agents only work with certain clubs. Some French agents have completely burnt bridges and the Toulon president won't even speak to them. So I'd imagine that's where probably your biggest strength lies is that you're honest, you're open, and that you can get across all clubs without offending people and and destroying relationships. I wanted to ask you quickly about the changing landscape, not of COVID, but almost pre-COVID with the GIF market. So obviously... Up until now, or up until the start of this season, there's been loads of non-chief players, loads of foreigners. Teams have been absolutely flooded um, with foreigners, but that has changed. At the end of last season, I had like 50, 60 mates in French rugby, all foreigners phoning me being like, mate, have you got anything at Scottish rugby? Do you know, is anything happening in America? But ultimately, there's been hundreds of foreign players that are now on chomage, not employed, or they've had to go back home. Do you think that's a good thing for French rugby? I know it's been hard um, for people well, maybe a little bit younger than me, 25, 26, that haven't had the opportunity to come over and play, but long-term, do you think it's good for French rugby that there's more focus on French players?
4: To be honest, I think it's flawed. I think the system's flawed. So the G system is, in theory, a good system. If if it was, from, in my opinion, and again, this is probably, from a professional perspective, not the great, not necessarily the greatest sort of approach, but I think like in the UK, like in Scotland, like in Wales, like every other country, if you can play for that country, you should be rewarded for that. We, we manage and we work with English players, Fijian players, who are, who are GIFs, who benefit from the system in France, but then they'll go and play for their country. And in my opinion, if you are GIF and you go and play for a different country, there is, there's no benefit to the French team. They need to lose their status. The whole idea of the gif system and you know like you say trying to get more french players playing but what's actually happening is they're getting more foreigners in earlier so they're getting in, in the academies the, in a for formation in all the different clubs there's there's 15 georgians or there's Fijians, or there's uh, aussies kiwis tongans there's there's a reflection you know of the global you know Every, every club is trying to get the best player and the best player that's going to be the best for them in, in, in every position, et cetera, et cetera. And if they can get them through their system, then that's the best way to keep hold of them. But like I say, I think it's slightly flawed because these guys can come and they'll benefit from having this, the chief status. So in theory, maybe a slightly inflated salary, but then they will go and play for their country as well. Which, you know, in England, if you are uh, EQP, you keep that status until you go and play for a different country. You go and play for Scotland, which might be a slightly easier route. Oh you will then you no, will that's then a have, then, path you, mate. you will then lose your status, you know. So that's for me that's the that's the right way to do it. You know, because you can't benefit from the fact that you have to have a certain number of G for EQP players and then also still benefit from the fact that you are, you know, you're proud to be playing for your nation.
2: I mean I couldn't I couldn't agree more on on what you said the you remember a couple of seasons ago the poor uh, Scott Spedding got caught up in that so he he made the effort of actually getting the french nationality he's got a french passport he was a french international but he couldn't get the gif status because they were like oh listen if if we give it to you then everybody can come how many they actually looked down i think there was it, it could have applied to six players including, including Anthony classen and a couple of them whatever i think as soon as you got the french passport just like you said if you're eligible for a country you should 150 should uh, should be you know should have the automatic gif status status and you should probably lose it if for some whatever reason you decide to play for another country. I think that would only be fair. So speaking of one of them, and again, that, and I really love him, and I think you take care of him, is Pisili Yato, right? Yeah. Um. So Pisili arrived from, from from Fiji, I think from the Academy of Nadroga that they opened uh, with, with Clermont over there, like aliveri uh, Ali Veriti Raka and all that. Speaking of him, I think he is honestly the biggest freak of nature I've ever come across. He yeah. is tall powerful quick incredibly good at at rugby he's got this mean thing about him that if he wants to hurt somebody he will run through a door and anyone he's also got this sort of this parent side he wants to protect his mates you know he he wants to get people around him to feel safe and to feel good and i have to say he's really one of those guys that i try to help as much because i think he's got a great heart he's he's got um he really is a good bloke you see he was captain that was exactly i was gonna say so i've pushed at him about being more responsible he can be the you know the guy who would you know you start drinking on the friday finish on next next wednesday okay so it can be a little bit complicated but he he will never hurt anyone he's kind he's generous um and bloody hell he's one hell of a player when when he wants to he's just a freak so have you ever come across or, 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 those, or those conversations you can have regarding Pisigliato? Has there ever been some sort of extraordinary offer? I mean, I'm sure like World Wrestling Federation could probably want to sign him. That's, that's how big and strong he is. Because I know a few years ago, he, he got touches from Saracens. I think they were pretty keen on, on getting him and stuff like that. And just, are you proud of the way? Because I know that I think you help him a lot to grow as a human also. And so are you proud of where he's gone? Because exactly what you said. He was captain of Clermont two weeks ago and I think you can't even imagine the, 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 the achievement that it is for a player like him. I mean Perseille,
4: I love Perceli, I've been working with Perceli for a long long time, he's he's grown as a man, as a human and he's changed, uh, he's changed lots and lots and what's what's quite funny is, is Frank said that uh, obviously he pulled him to one side, so, look we're looking to make a captain this weekend and he said no, 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 <laughs> um, and they did it anyway. So, and I, and I think, you know, I think that's that's a that's a massive uh, reward for for the effort and the you know the because he has changed and he has you know he he did he did have some you know some not so much wild streaks but that you know occasionally just just sort of struggled a little bit in in, in sort of his direction at times and and uh, I think he's come through that massive family man now looking after all the Fijians in anywhere and everywhere there always seems to be some form of child or or, or even friend from different clubs or different areas of France coming visiting and, and and staying with him he's uh, he's got my utmost respect on the field and off the field now he's he's come through a lot he's uh you know he's obviously had a, a serious injury he's come back from that and uh he's worked really hard um he's come back from that and he's back playing and he's doing his thing you know like you say he can he he's capable of doing phenomenal things you know um but he also he can he can make some some seriously good jeeps as well because when he's running down the wing and he misses the kick yeah. tries to kick it through misses <laughs> the kick and misses it becomes a massive thing he's, he's uh he's He's brilliant to work with.
2: Any crazy offers for Pisciliato? Tell me tell me well, the Oakland had... Blues, Oakland Blues, NFL. Tell me NFL called you for him. That's <laughs> no, we haven't had
4: NFL just yet. But we've had, we've had, uh, obviously we had Montpellier looking for a long time. Uh, we've also had a couple of clubs in the UK who were who were really interested. Um, this was pre-changes in salary cap and stuff and, and they were, and they were quite, they were quite sort of, they were very interested, and there was some interesting. There's some interesting offers. I mean, he, to be honest, he, he, you know, he's happy, and he's, he's sometimes it's making a decision is not necessarily that easy for Perselli, Um, you know, and and he was happy to stay and, and extend with uh, uh, with with Claremont. I think um, it'd be interesting to see how he goes moving forward. Obviously, would the the current climate's difficult, so uh, from a financial salary expectation, it's 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 difficult, so. Um, Probably not the the best time to be out of contract. If I'm being honest, salaries have gone down. It's been a reduction in, in most most clubs' wages. Um,
3: Can you give us a percentage, mate? Like across the board, how much has it dropped?
4: No, it was again <clears throat> in the UK. It's, it's, it's give or take twenty five percent. In the in France, it depended on the club. So each club was different. Um, I'm not maybe not sure if I'm allowed to say which clubs did what, but some clubs did minimum five percent. Some clubs have not really changed it too much at all. Some other clubs have gone 20 percent. But give or take the the French stuff in around 15, 15, 20
1: percent. And you mentioned that the cuts in the UK have been, been bigger. Obviously, we know that and, and lots of players are heading to Japan nowadays as well. It, has there been more interest from your side of things for players wanting to go to France or is there less recruitment because clubs are trying to retain who they've got in France?
4: So far, the recruitment's been predominantly extending players at their clubs, obviously guys they want to keep and stuff. Normally in France, there is a lot of movement. There, is, there does seem to be a lot more movement than elsewhere. This year, there seems to be, and again, it's a, it's a misconception. It's always been a, an element of misconception. Guys who who are not getting a new gig at their current club in the UK think, well, I'll tell you what, I'll just go to France and sign a bigger deal. It's finished. It'll be fine. But that's not... Well that's not never really happened to be honest, but also um it's unrealistic with the new g stuff with the the change in salary cap if you if you want a foreign player in a position, then that foreign player has to add value to your squad to your to your to your team you know and will get a, um a salary that that reflects that but a lot of these players thinking that they're not necessarily playing as much as they want or they don't have the exposure they want they think that they can just come to come to France and everything will be fine and they'll have double double their salary and everything will be.
3: But it's kind of been a long-standing dream that there's loads of guys over the years have come across and done well from the UK but the landscape has changed especially because of those GIF rules so a lot of guys now that haven't found anything people have been retiring earlier I've seen like quite a few high-profile people that I thought could still continue to play but they haven't found anything or anything decent enough earning level that they want to commit I think you hit the nail on the head there the, the people that are going to come into France now are going to be your top five percent your absolute elite operators in your squad like a world-class 10 like an Andre Pollard a world-class tighthead somebody like a Carl Heyman that can come in but in terms of budgets a, a budgets dropped massively like pre-covid had they dropped already or had that shift in G focus meant that sort of young pro kids that were coming up from France were getting paid over and above salary levels because they were french qualified
4: yeah i think um they will always be top stars in france top stars in the uk in certain positions you know and you will you will afford a foreigner in 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 the spine or the spine of your team to a certain extent you know you're three you're five you're maybe a nine maybe a ten the goal kicking fullback that those guys will always be there but but the quality of those players is going to have to go up you know they they're going to have to be the, the top end players like you say the journeyman the, the the club man in france unless they know someone have got a have got a, I've got a proper in or potentially play really well against someone in in europe it's going to be difficult for for them to get in with covid last year there was we saw a lot of players having to go into in you know top players who are playing regularly in, in top 14 drop into prodigy de just yeah. because there was there was no opportunities for them just
3: to keep a job
4: yeah budget wise from the clubs um obviously because last year was half and half we'll say um there was an element of you know pre-covid recruitment and then that had to be adjusted during the COVID because COVID is still never ending you know we don't know when we can bring people into the stadiums again when we can have rugby as we as we had before and not only that the clubs have been hit by um some of their sponsors have, have, have had to you know had real issues and financial issues during this period of time as well and so they're going to have to decide whether that amount of money is going to be invested in you know in their local club still or whether or not they're going to have to remove some of that um to try and save their business or, or to maybe maybe to invest in people's jobs and stuff like that so fundamentally we we do know that there's going to be a reduction in in budgets and and every club has a different budget everyone everyone has a different vision like you say uh benji some some clubs can manage with their local uh with their local sponsors private sponsors some clubs like like a, a brief they have they have a mixture of of national and local guys um that they that they rely on heavily um some clubs have said that they think that in a year's time they'll come back to or give or take back to where they are the issue is there'll be some crazy everyone will say yeah no we're 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 going to reduce by this we're going we're going to reduce our salary uh or our budget by this that and the other and then some crazy president will go all out on someone and, and as a result explode the market you know, and it's. Uh, that's just the way it is every year. But I think for at least a year, two years, salaries are, are going to be back to, you know, not so much back to normal, but I think, that, you know, there's 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 going to be a lot less money on the, in the market, I think.
3: It's certainly quite an uncertain time, though. And you touched a little bit about the sort of the pastoral role that you have as an agent. I think people just think contracts, that's what you do. But especially in France you're looking after people a lot of time, people that don't know the language, you're helping them settle in. It must have been quite tumultuous. I'd imagine there would have been quite a lot of upset people, people ended up unemployed. It's quite tough to manage people and look after your clients during the past year.
4: What's been the hardest is it's not easy to guide people or to, or to console people or to, or to help them, but because we've had experience in it and we know what we're doing and we know the, the ins and outs and the processes, it's easy, but COVID, no one has a clue. No one has a clue. If you if you look at the governments, and we we we, we can't be uh, held accountable because the government said we're going to okay, we can have a thousand in the stadiums. Actually, no, we're not. We're going to we're going to reduce it to zero. Or, you know, we can't preempt those things. We can't preempt um, how to manage those aspects, or even you know with regard to the negotiations negotiations within the clubs uh, for salary decreases and stuff like that. Some clubs got individual players in and, and spoke to them um, and and discussed a uh, reduction in salary based on their individual uh, contracts. Some clubs said, look, no, everybody's in this. We've all got to agree to it. We're going to do it all together. It was all very different and we had to take a different approach with a lot of different uh, people and clubs. But like you say, you know, the fundamental thing is some guys, a lot of guys have lost their jobs and have, have got nothing and they're still sort of looking for, you know, Uh, joker spots or or opportunities to come up which is you know which is which is tough but that's that's the world and it's not just rugby and it's not just France it's it is a global global uh, problem at the moment and you know we're trying to figure out you know different ways to try and help everyone.
1: And Jamie I think you're registered with the FFR and the RFU as well so you kind of you've got experience of, of dealing with both of them I imagine there's some differences there but one of the main differences between or the perception anyway the differences between France and the UK is the owners. So I know Benji and Johnny will probably weigh, in. they've got tons of stories about owners. But you, you'd you have to name names, but you must have that must be a big difference, eh?
4: No, it is a bit different. And again, France is different. France is different, and, and England's—you know—they're diff- they're very much different approaches. You know, I think the UK a lot of the time most clubs will have an, a, a, a dedicated person in in the recruitment aspect, so you predominantly deal with them, so you won't deal with you won't necessarily sometimes you will deal with coaches or you'll deal with um, higher level. Whereas in France, a lot of the times the presidents quite like to be involved. Some presidents don't; they come into the negotiation towards the end when it comes, to, you know, the money aspect. Some will literally just be there for 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 the signature. Obviously, Clermont they have a recruitment manager. Uh, they also have someone that you negotiate with with for the for the contract and for and for the the commission for the agent's commission um, and. More often not, the, the president will be there for a signature, maybe a photo, but um, he doesn't necessarily get involved, whereas other clubs are, are, are heavily involved. And, you know, it's quite important to, yeah. to, to get along with them. And, and um, you have to manage their characters. And, and there is some serious characters, you know, in the game, you know, when you you add money and, and, and influence and to the bubbling cauldron, sometimes it's, it's, it's interesting, sometimes it's tough.
2: So obviously you you have to be kind to others and you have to weigh your words. <laughs> and I 100% agree with that. I don't, and I've got one extraordinary fun, uh, sort of encounter with Murad Boudjelal. So I was, I was in Leicester. Then I signed back in Stade Francais. Things were not going well. The club was struggling financially. I wasn't playing well. Um, and, and so I had two offers to go to Clermont to go to Toulon and I go to Toulon and I, and obviously Murat Boudjelal is like, no, uh, I'm in, I'm in, uh, what is he doing? Like a, a health, uh, I mean, a thalassotherapy. I don't know how you say that. Spa. Uh, health therapy, whatever, Spa. spa for, for the week. So you have to meet me in Cannes. Okay, Cannes is only an hour and a half away from Toulon. So I, I get myself there and he's at the Ritz-Carlton. Obviously, you know, the biggest, fanciest hotel or whatever. And I see this guy sitting, he wasn't sitting on a chair. He was laying inside his chair like this, like <laughs> barely, barely looking at me. Obviously, did not stand up when I arrived. Just looked at his wife, threw, got his credit card out and went shopping. I saw he said to her. He didn't say sorry, darling. You know we need to speak. We need to chat. He just said shopping. She she stood up. She left. Whatever. And I'm thinking, all right. So this guy wants to sign me. And then the first question he's asking me is like, why do you want to come to Toulon I was like, well, <laughs> it's not exactly the way the things going up. <laughs> yeah, so I, I want to go shopping too. Yeah. I want to <laughs> go shopping. And honestly, so he he pulls it. He pulled out a show, and he was. Pfft, he was a bit a bit weird and I got stuck into him a little bit later for, for that because he came out with some shit in the press. But it ended up actually pushing me to exactly what he said. The reason why I fell in love so much with Clamo is just their professionalism, the serious they've got about the, the institution. They can make mistakes like everybody else, obviously, but at least they're not backstabbers. They're pretty honest people. Uh, who, who who will you know deal with things thoroughly and that's what I enjoy the most so that's my little experience of Murad Boudjilal but I'm sure you had others you don't have to name any names but I'm sure you've had some crazy stuff
4: I've had some interesting stuff I actually when I came to France my my first meeting was interesting I found that quite interesting. I just played a game uh, for Newcastle. I think it might have been on a, maybe a Saturday evening. And then on the Sunday I got the train down to London, then down across to um, to Paris. And I was due to meet with the owner of, it was the owner of Breve at the time, a guy called Daniel de Richbourg, um who was massive in recycled metal and, and inherited, he bought a company and inherited as a result the, the club was affiliated to to, to breathe and, and ended up with a club and didn't know anything about it so so i went to meet him and the coaches who were, who were keen on getting me to to breathe and i arrived and in the game i'd cut myself so i had a bit of a cut bit of a black eye a couple of stitches and um i arrived late at night in um garden and i had a hotel booked in uh, garden um with a view that i was going to meet uh, the following the following lunchtime and I was lost. I didn't really know where I was. And, and they said, look, just get a taxi to the hotel and you'll be fine. And the taxi driver was just like, no, nah, no, nah, mate, it's just round the corner, just walk, walk, just walk around. So I was walking around and I didn't know where I was going. It looked it looked a bit dodgy, this area. And it was like lots of prostitutes everywhere. It was a bit weird. And then I ended up going into a couple of hotels and, and they had like security on the doors and the security wouldn't let me in the hotels because I obviously looked a little bit beaten up and stuff. And, um, uh, eventually, I found the hotel, got in the hotel, and the next day we had uh, this massive meal. And, and I said to my wife before, I was like, I, "I don't, I don't know if I could live in France. I don't really like France. They, they didn't let me in the hotels, and it was the area was really rough. It was horrible. It wasn't necessarily. I, mean, obviously I was not quite. It's not quite Newcastle. We ended up having this meeting, and we had a meeting, and, and the whole focus was about my weight. And um, this was again very French it's all about stats and they were like well went well, there how, how much do you weigh and this was do you remember laurence and benji yeah, so he was very he was, prop for a brief- yeah so he was old school and he was you know it was a bit he was a bit about obviously um players who were hard and, and who were you know aggressive and who were in your face and stuff and i felt like i had an element of that on the field but obviously <laughs> off the field i wasn't i wasn't very tall i wasn't massive in turn wasn't very dense or like that i didn't weigh a massive amount and so the whole initially i he asked me that as like one of the first questions. So, hi, you know, sit down. So how much do you weigh? And I was like, <laughs> oh, this is a bit strange. And he asked me about five times in the, in the, in the it was in like an interview sort of uh, get to know the club. He asked me five times and I was like, what the hell? What's that matter? And then towards the end, he, he asked me and I was a bit like, well, to be honest, it's not really the size or the weight of the, of the, of the dog in the fight. It's the, it's the fight of the dog. Um, or the the weight of the dog in the fight, as it were. And he was like, "I love it, I love it, I love it." And then that was it. That was the that was the meeting, sort of over. I'd done enough to convince him. He was sort of all over it. And as a result, I ended up getting an offer uh, sent through and stuff. And and my wife went down to visit, breathe, and and that was it, done. But it just goes to show how sort of sometimes fixated they are on a certain opinion or a certain thing, and 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 that can be the difference between.
2: Uh, signing them or not. Max Gauzini told me once that he didn't sign Morgan Para who was who was the hottest number nine at the time uh, because he asked him what, what kind of book do you read at the moment? And Morgan's like wow I, I read L'Equipe this morning L'Equipe is like the, the sports newspaper that you read in the morning because he didn't read a book and Max is like I'm not going to sign a player who doesn't read books what are you talking about? If you come to Paris you know it's because you like theater and you like museums and he didn't even talk to me about the Louvre like, yeah, 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 that's not the right questions you should ask so you could have some crazy yeah, conversations
3: but I think Exact same, Jamie, with uh, with Montpellier. When I signed, it's so, like we had the whole contract, and then they were like, "Oh no, it's been a hold up. They need to ask you some questions." And so, I think it was either Fabian Galtier or it was denny Navizet, who was the chief exec or the right hand to president at the time. They phoned, like, "How much do you weigh?" That was all they wanted to know. Yeah, like because we need to know that you're like bigger. So I think at the time I was like 106. And I was like 112. Yes, yeah. <laughs> get that paperwork <laughs> sent through, and that was it. It came through the next day, but there's no way. That was it that was all they wanted to know was how tall are you and how much do you weigh
1: all of the all of the owners are, are colorful jamie we know that but um benji mentioned Murad you can talk about him he doesn't own too long anymore he's fine we can talk about him so any dealings with Murad?
4: yeah i didn't i've done a, i've done a bit with uh with more i obviously friends with johnny as well so i used to be i used to go down there and visit quite a lot and and i'd bump into into morad quite a lot you know i think there's lots of stories about him and and, and how he how he manages the clubs and dealt with the clubs but Whenever I spoke to him or saw him, he knew I was Wilco's mate. So he was, he was just like obsessed with Johnny, obsessed with him. And we'd just talk about Johnny. And to the point where I think we were down there signing a player. We ended up actually, because of these, um, the indemnity de formation. So if you're, in an es- if you're in an Espoir and you're leaving the club, you have to pay like a compensation. We ended up moving a player who was playing quite a lot to Aurillac uh, at the time. I think. Benji might have played with him, Jimmy Yobo. Yeah. Yeah. So we ended up moving him. He was uh he played, he was like what do you 20, maybe 20 years old, 21 years old, and he'd got 60 odd caps or 60 odd games in the in the Pro Real sort of he played 20s, he played uh French 20s and stuff. He was a real sort of high well, high profile young player. But because he had these high indemnities, um, clubs wanted him, but they just didn't want to pay that on top of a would-be salary as well so they kind of he was kind of quite sort of stuck and he had a three-year deal that he would have had to take if he didn't go and find anywhere else so so i think it was literally like the last day of the because we have a transfer window and it was like the last day of the transfer window we managed to get a meeting with with tuneon and so we're down with morad and um, we were chatting about these indemnities and stuff and he was like oh, wait there so he just phoned up the oriac president president and he was saying oh, look um yeah now these indemnities there were a little bit high you know maybe we can come to some sort of agreement and it was brilliant because you know, we couldn't do it on his behalf in a sense because it was uh, he was he was offering and promising loads of different things i tell you what what we'll do is we'll have uh what we'll do is we'll come over and we'll have a pre-season at yours preseason uh, pre-season game and you guys can keep all the all the money associated and stuff like that and he was like but i tell you what though All I'd ask for is is the 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 travel. You you cover the travel costs and stuff like that. And so they were having this like negotiation, and it was quite. And he was quite bullish and quite. He was bullying him a little bit, you know, because he was like, "This is too long." Yeah, no, I'll bring the stars. Yeah, don't worry, I'll sort out. I'll sort out the stars or some of the stars will play. Not all of them, but some of them will play and stuff. And Wilco was kicking at the time, and he just, I think he just retired. He kind of finished his career, done the double, and he was still kicking. And we were talking about that more. I was like, "Oh no, he's he's." He's nuts. He's absolutely nuts, still kicking, and loves it. And, and he was he was loving him, all right? And ended up organising and sorting out Jimmy Obo to come to the club. So he signed for three three years, three seasons at, at, at Toulon. And then eventually, he ended up not fulfilling the deal with the, uh, the pre-season game. So he ended up sort of <sighs> getting for nothing.
3: That all sounded quite above board until them not turning up. <laughs> I wanted to ask you how much... How much underhand stuff have you seen? Because obviously Saracens is the obvious one in England it's been done for their salary cut but there's so much that goes on behind the scenes in France whether it's like rumours at Montpellier that they're paying people to farms back home in South Africa or they're paying Goosen who's sitting in Bloemfontein or at Toulon it was rumoured that they would pay like they would declare a certain salary and then pay half of it offshore to Argentina like how much do you see that is just ludicrous now that Murad's gone, you could probably lift it a little bit. I don't know if you want to, but there, there is quite a lot of hiding cash, isn't there?
4: Well, it's not so much. Well, yeah, there's manipulating... Um, the system. Oh, yeah, offers, you know. And I think, to be honest, in the UK, they're just as good or as bad at, at doing it. You know, there's obviously the whole Saracens thing was was a big thing, but there's lots of other clubs who who have, uh, you know, there's... there's there's ways of dressing up the contract so that it's uh, so it doesn't look the, the, the same as it actually is, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, whether that's image rights, whether that's you know, helping with, uh, it can be helping with wives, with jobs and stuff like that, you know, or, or sometimes I'd, I'd seen some have been employed by clubs or cleaners or something like that, you know, and there's, there's lots of different things that are in there, you know, and I think fundamentally it's, partly it's the clubs, but a lot of the time it's, it's obviously the players, players want more and more from, from the clubs and, and from contracts. And, and sometimes the clubs, they just can't, they can't do it. You know, they have to try and fit, it's a, it's a jigsaw puzzle and I don't know how they do it. And some, I was talking to a, a recruiter this week and I was saying that it's, the idea of that is, would blow my mind. Trying to fit all these into, you know, you've obviously got credits in the UK. You've got your academy-based uh, guys who come through, therefore don't go into salary cap and stuff. Fitting all this into a puzzle is, and the GIF aspect to it as well is is really tough, you know. Um, but like I say, fundamentally, players want more and more from their contracts. They want more and more from the from from the game, you know. Uh, at the end of their career, if they've had a really good career and they've, they've given everything, you know, they, they hopefully have something to, to fall back on. You know, we're never going to be in the realms of football where that's it, you don't have to work again. But if you can cushion the blow a little bit so that they don't have to necessarily get a job that means that they'll, you know, they get paid thousands and thousands, um, but means that they can, they're comfortable and they're happy and, and obviously they look after their families and that's what we're, that's what we're looking for.
1: And you mentioned football and a, and a transfer window as well. No, it's it's not the same in rugby, but you know we're getting there. And this this time of year, we do hear a lot of rumours, transfer rumours. We love a rumour. As an agent, do you drop stuff into conversations? when put the price. Sometimes, sometimes
4: <laughs> part of the tactics, isn't it? Sometimes, you know, there's also you. Sometimes you you leak something to the press, or you know there is. This it is a tactic, and it's um, some if you are speaking to certain clubs. Like I say, I try and speak to the clubs I'm dealing with and tell them that I'm dealing with the other clubs as well, or that they have other interests, etc. Because one, it, it can help with the negotiations. If you come in and you don't have any, you don't have any other options, then then from a from a negotiation perspective, it's it's difficult. So if there is options, also from their perspective, it's good to, that they know. Well, we're competing with that club, this club, or that club. I know that in the UK, for some reason whenever any agent speaks to any club about a player yeah bristol are interested yeah and in francis yeah montpellier are interested
1: <laughs> steve landstown's got a lot of cash yeah yeah so, you know
4: and, and a lot of the time in this business you get found out because they'll ring Lamy. Lamy, mate why are you interested in this lad he doesn't even play what why are you interested well we're not well his agent was agent bullshit you know and so you can get found out, and it, it is prop a little family. You know, rugby, the rugby world isn't isn't very big at all, and you can get found out very quickly. So, in terms of reputation, and in terms of you know your credentials from a, from an agency perspective, you have to be very careful what you are saying, what you are doing, and and manage that. You know, and again, I think the best sometimes the best way is to be is to be honest. You know, and if if the club have that information, but it also leaks somewhere else, then that that doesn't matter because they already know. But Fundamentally, you want everyone to know that your player is out of contract and is looking at options, because then, you know, chances are you'll you'll have more options.
2: To tell you how easy it is to to link information to the French press, especially Midi Olympique. When I was a lot younger, we used to do the seventh tournament in Madrid, which was the biggest piss up I've ever been to. It was absolutely outstanding. Three four days of just playing. imagine me playing sevens. I went for the after the game, <laughs> not, not not for the game, and uh, and we were just you know those those. Um, happy times with your mates and stuff so at the end I didn't play anymore I was just a manager but I was there just to take care of it and one day we actually had to play to to pretend to be the German sevens team because they were missing some 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 players (laughs) so some of my mates actually played for Germany and we had a laugh and I think we played Croatia or something so it was really obviously non-official games whatever but you still needed to put some sort of paperwork in it and so and in one of our mates was an agent and after that game he actually sent a text to Media Olympique to say that this this young German winger who's been tearing <laughs> up in Madrid, which is one of my best mates. He played like for the he played for the under twenty ones of of Suren, which is a club near near Paris, um, that that is that is uh, attracting quite a lot of interest by Stade Français, Montpellier, whatever. He said he put, just put a list. And at the bottom of the paper, the week after, the crie et chuchotement, you know, the rumours that there was there was hot new prospect, this German winger who's tearing up in Madrid was there. And we were laughing about it. So any, any rumour, they will pick up and they will they will whisper again.
4: What I find quite funny is obviously being sort of on the inside to a certain extent. And when you read stuff about your own players, you know, there's obviously loads of rumours and you're not sure if, well, there might be an element of truth in that and this that, and the other. But when you hear or read your your players' rumours are are, are sort of quite funny. Like where have they got this from? Where- we haven't met. We haven't met them. I thought, what we're doing, you know, and so I find that quite funny. Just that, just being on the be on the other side of the fence is a little bit uh, is a little bit interesting as well.
3: So, Nuni, who are your high profile boys? That are, now you've got this platform, you can get out to all the presidents. Everyone's <laughs> listening, obviously. Who are your big dogs that are off contract, both French and foreign, that are going to be looking for either to re, to extend their deals or to, to move on end the year and find the next big um, massive deal?
4: Well. Um, We've got a couple of players who are still sort of, still sort of looking. Um, so our, we 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 did Johnny Sexton's move into into Paris back in the day. So he's off contract, doesn't know what he's going to do, and so is he coming back. Well, there's rumours that, that 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 he's looking, you know. So he doesn't know what he's going to do yet. He wants to continue playing, which is which is um, uh, which is good. Uh, he thinks, you know, body-wise, physically, that he he wants to, and he's, and more, more importantly, he's motivated to continue. And I think that's the, that's the big one, big one for someone like Johnny.
2: I know. Clamore looking for a ten, mate. I do Ooh. too. Oh my word! Here that we would go. Be, and that web. I tell no, you no, what. Honest, no, but jokes aside, I don't even know if there's any truth to it. I don't care. Uh, please don't say anything, Jamie, to jeopardize whatever you said. But. The idea of getting the experience of Johnny Wilkinson, where he doesn't need to play every single week in a top club like Clermont—bloody hell, that would be amazing.
4: No, I think I think the key, you know, someone like someone like Johnny is—is is you bring him in to 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 help the younger generation. You know, his, his experience, and you you marriage that with someone coming through, you know, and I think that would be, you know, even someone like say a uh, uh, Mathieu Jalibert at, at Bordeaux. Yeah, hundred percent you know, he would play most of the games, Matthew. and, and But having that sort of experience of managing a game, because he's got the natural flair and the speed and the, the ability to create things from nothing, you add sort of from the, I suppose, from the background, this element of managing a game a bit better and, and, and understanding the pressures associated to, especially the bigger games. Um, I think that would be a... a, a a great sort of uh great combination you know but the the issue is with someone like johnny is and with not so much johnny but with a lot of uh foreign internationals is that the french clubs they're going to be paying them big big bucks to come over here they don't want them to go back and play for their countries what you're missing 12 12 games maybe more uh, a, a season and so therefore they prefer to get someone who's who's going to be maybe he's who's retired or who's who's definitely going to be there or thereabouts every single year especially when they're losing someone like a, a jalibert or a french international somewhere
1: and before we before this rumor goes wild and we get we get wrongly credited, this we are talking about johnny sexton and not um your mate johnny wilkinson coming out of retirement <laughs> yeah, yeah. <aren't> we,
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it was just again it was just these are all rumors they're all rumors at the moment but these are all just things that um these are in the pipeline, you know, clubs are considering all these different aspects and that's something that's uh, it, it makes it interesting in this job sometimes is that you don't really know where, where this fit will come, you know, sometimes you'll get a great offer from a club, but the player's just like, nah, I can't, I can't live there. There's no way I can live there. It's too cold or it's not, I, I want to be on a beach or want to be, you know, and and sometimes that's quite hard because you've got to manage. Obviously, financial expectations associated, but also then they've got their personal opinions or choices to make as well. And so you think you've done a great job and you've got him a great deal, you've negotiated hard and you've got loads of money in in this club that actually is a great fit for them. And sometimes that's where I have to stand back a little bit because I know that these players got you know elements of weaknesses in the game and this, that, and the other, but actually, this would be a really good fit for them because. Of the style of play for the style of the manager as well that's going to be uh something that you you have to calculate because certain players will work well under certain certain coaches you know and maybe not as well under different coaches so you have to manage that into a would-be decision but fundamentally we we're not in that decision you know it's the families and it's the players and and yeah no that yeah it's good but actually no i don't want to go there i want to go there you know and that's uh sometimes that's quite hard to manage
1: and not just when players are moving clubs, we've spoken quite a lot about that, but Benji mentioned the work you've done with Patelli We're all about dispelling myths on here, aren't we, Benji? And and the, the work that agents do just during the year, like th- that kind of, you, you know, you goals. must, yeah, yeah, you, you must have a, you must do a lot of work with players that from the outside, people just say agents wheeling and dealing and whatever, but actually you've got a really important role to play.
4: I think so. I mean, as obviously I'm slightly biased as an agent, but, um, we do a lot of firefighting. We do a lot of firefighting throughout the season. We do, we do help with um, relationships with the clubs as well. You know, player, player, sometimes, especially like someone like uh, Patheli, he, he's very shy and timid. And so sometimes he, he, they also, you know, Fijian or Islanders sometimes have this, um, I think they call it like a white man syndrome, where that they have this over respect for, for, for people in power. And sometimes they they don't actually not so much confront them but they don't want to speak to them or you know they're very shy and avoid that so our role sometimes is to get that information or to get the information across or because we speak to our players every week we go through their games we you know we have a we have a lot of things that that help us we we uh we have this, like a stats system. We have the videos. We you know we can't be at every game, obviously, especially now. But we can't be every game. We can't watch every game every week. So in the week, we'll go through um, players' videos and we'll, t- we'll we'll sort of do a debrief. We're not necessarily coaches, but that's an area where I think that that, that I like to think that I can help players. Um, so if they've got questions as to why why, why do you think I'm not involved, or uh, we'll, we'll speak to the club to try and get some information from their side of things, but also from what what I what I see on the field, I can say, well, look, well, you need to be doing more of this. You need to be doing more of that. You try and do this, try and do that. You know, from a, some clubs are very statistic orientated and look, you can change, manipulate your stats a little bit by just getting, working a little bit harder to get there early. And then you're the ball carrier instead of just sort of plunking onto the ruck. So they're sort of ongoing things that we do uh, sort of week to week. And like I say, as and when things blow up, we've got, you know, we've got people in place to manage manage that. Obviously, there's, there's solicitors and stuff if there's some serious um, stuff. But also, we're there to try and look after the best interest of the player. And sometimes the clubs can put them under a little bit of pressure to do certain things. And, and sometimes we, we have to try and be there to sort of... We're, we're an element of a sounding board. It, you know, I don't know how many times we've had players ring up and just complain. But we're there for that. <laughs> but we're there for that. You know, and, and it, sometimes it is a bit like I know what's coming but actually that's what we're there for and 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 if that means that in their whole you know in their their general day-to-day life they are better they're a better person they're more positive or they're more then that's that's our job done you know that's we've we've helped contribute to that person you know and it's, there's lots of uh obviously mental health stuff going around with you know associated to covid but also pre-COVID about lads being you know men and they've got to be hard and you, you know you hide your feelings and stuff and if we in our role as uh, uh, as agents as mediators we're there to just at least take some of that sort of pressure or problems off their shoulders then that's our job done you know that's something that that we we are more than comfortable doing we do with a lot of players um and, and we uh, you, know, you get to know certain players who are uh, more prone to do that but then also you get to feel when players have issues sometimes they're, they're very they're very good at hiding them sometimes um obviously their instagrams and this that and the other they have things like ooh happy days but deep down you know or even sometimes we because we're playing we're working with players we've, we've worked with for a long time we speak to the wives the wives will get in touch with us and, and the wives will say well look you know he's not he's this that and the other or I have not seen him for two days, or whatever, you know. So, there are different tactics or different elements of, of of a role that we that we play within a within a career, you know. And that's that's something that maybe is overlooked. You know, we do have to negotiate with the clubs. We do have to negotiate in some difficult circumstances as well. You know, players who have been out for for years, and the you know the club are trying to not so much shaft them, but the the club think, well, actually, we can just offer them a little bit less, or you know, or, or we'll just say this, and obviously. There's some difficult conversations and and, and there's some, what's quite hard for me at times is, uh, you know, I, I do still have that empathy with the players and, and, you know, when they're, you know, I know the family, I know the kids and stuff and, I, and you know, and the club's saying to me, yeah, we're not, we're not probably not going to keep him and stuff. He's getting on a little bit and you think, well, we're a bit late in the day. I'm not sure we're going to get anything. And and that's a real difficult conversation to have. But, you know, hopefully we've prepared them along the way that it's not a shock, that it's not necessarily um you know, come out of the blue and that we've hopefully got a couple of vines in, in in different fires.
1: Far more complicated business than a lot of people on the outside realise. And, and great to get your insight on everything that goes on behind the scenes. Thanks ever so much for coming on. Good luck with getting Johnny Sexton to Clermont over the line, Jamie.
2: <laughs> Let me
4: know if I can help. <laughs> yeah. Take care, guys. Thanks very much. Cheers, Noonie. Cheers, Jamie. Cheers, Thanks Jamie. So much. Bye-bye.
1: Great to have Jamie on and um, hear a bit more of the holistic role that the agents play and then um, <laughs> they do a good job don't they covering
3: certain things up it's almost all all encompassing now I think the traditional view used to be sort of sly job taking commissions of contracts not really adding much but actually especially in France in a second language they do loads like from finding houses getting your electricity plugged in like banal things that you just would not know how to do to the managing relationships going back and forth between presidents you know, being that buffer, because people have been shafted the world over in rugby financially, but man, they do so much. I met one of my teammates at Cast was saved entirely by his agent. He, I think at five in the morning, got in the car after a big night out, drove through the McDonald's drive through and Cast took off the side of the McDonald's building, knocked the whole thing down, and the agent was the only guy they could save the thing and kept them in a job and all got covered up purely because of the agent. So mate, there's a lot that we see on the surface of being there for deals and signings, but they do a lot behind closed doors as well, whether it's helping families ironing out big issues um, and they, they do a huge job. They're a massive help.
2: Massive help. And I mean, you can't, you can't say enough of how much rugby players are special animals. So if you add that to this, the, the, the special, this <laughs> the, 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 the the special way of thinking and, and dealing with emotions in France, you multiply that by the special, special presidents that we had because you didn't want to go deep into that. But no. I mean, I'm pretty sure Lorenzetti, Altrad, Bujilal, you could write a, a book around it. There'll be some crazy, crazy dealings. Uh, I, I know Bujilal has paid every single cent that he owes Johnny Wilkinson. But I think he's the only guy. He's got about 12 lawsuits behind him for all the guys that he's employed so far. So there's loads of different ways of, you know, of not doing things properly that, that he could have said. So that makes quite explosive cocktails. Obviously, like you said, the, the agents are the buffers and they've got a huge amount of work to do.
1: And did you guys change agents much during your career? Were you always happy with your agent?
2: Only For me, only, only the ones, I don't know about you, Johnny, but I, I had a really, like a close, close mate who was my first agent. And then I signed in Leicester sort of without him because Augustine Pichot helped me and we mm-hmm. pretty much did it together. And then he's just stayed with me, helped me, helped me, got me back signing instead. And then instead I was in the shits and he came back to me and he's like, listen, I because uh, I, I, I asked to leave the club and the club said, like, no, the club said they want you to stay and blah, blah, blah. And you're from the academy and you're the only one, you're the heart and soul of this club. Huh? And then another big, big agent uh, calls me and he's like, listen, I've heard you're in trouble, whatever, I can get you out. I, and i i do a, f- a facetime or like a conference call with my agent this new agent and me and i like, listen i will go with you if you get me out but that's the only thing and he said not only will i get you out but i'll get you a check to go out and I was like, that's not possible he's really good he had that two days after and so i i said my to my old to to, to my sort of um teenage years mate I was like listen yeah I, I gotta go with the big dog just because and then he sorted me out and he helped me a lot with different things and he really he's followed me through my career and even post-career still helped me with a few things but and he he always told me that the trick in the book is to say in Camo, for instance between him and his and his partners I think they had about 12 guys on the contract so you, when you walk into the the, the 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 head office or the president's office and stuff 12 guys you got them 12 by the balls. different commissions they owe you a shit ton of money so when you're going to say, like I said, sign this guy for this much, but then I'll make sure that this guy goes there. The power is absolutely huge. And exactly like Johnny said, certain agents go well in certain clubs. It's also because of the number of players. Being the agent of Johnny Wilkinson is the easiest job in the world. You just, you put it on LinkedIn. Who wants him? And it starts going mental. You know, I could I could do that job. Uh, we want more, like you saying, faster. And he's like, well, we'll offer, we'll offer this much for Johnny Wilkinson. Just give me more. And that's it. You know, that's all you need to do. That's easy. But for the rest, for the guys that are in the middle, for the guys who are in trouble, for the guys who are competing for spots, it's a tricky,
3: tr- tricky position. Graph. Always told me it's about the number of guys. And that's it. It's also the sliding scale of the neediness of each client that they look after. So I would consider myself to be fairly low maintenance. I, I genuinely spoke to my agent around contract time to see what was out there. But that was it. Whereas you get some guys that are on the phone every day. Oh, I want to commercial this. I want to be doing adverts for Coca-Cola. Never going to happen. You're playing in Pro de Du, mate. Like, get over it. It, it doesn't <laughs> happen. But that's the thing. Like, I, I only changed once. So I was with Esportif. And then when I came over to France, I had to take a, a French-speaking agent that was registered in France. That was the only time I, I changed agent. But mate, they, they do an amazing job. Um, and they really, really do. Because, again, the Pacific Islands point is one that is that those guys particularly would just take what they were given and they wouldn't ask for more. And the agents need to drive and need to fight. And for everybody, but specifically the the PIs, guys that are in the league, like need looked after more than anybody else because they're so generous and so kind and that's it. So look, Jamie, obviously doing a fantastic job as well. I think if I could do my time again, I'd have him as an agent. If you're looking for an agent, he'd be be awesome. Top bloke. So great to have him on.
1: Definitely. And is it the kind of thing that players talk about when you're in dress rooms as well? Because obviously you mentioned there are good and bad ones. So do you like, as people come in, you say, my agent said this. And then all of a sudden you find some teammates of yours maybe go with your agent and they change hands like that.
3: Yeah, but there's loads of different levels to it. So if you find out that there's a guy who's really mouthy and he's burnt loads of bridges, you're like, well, I don't want to go with him because if if he's blocked access already to these five teams in England or France, I don't want to know. Then you also, there's also the layer of like, there's teams that have loads of commercial activity. So these agents have loads of commercial things, which might give you a little bonus at the end of your contract or something different. So there's loads of different things to discuss. But yeah, like everything, we like, how are you getting on with yours? Oh, he's a jackass, right? Well, you're not going anywhere near. It's the same in every club. Everybody discusses the same things. Um, and if your reputation is crap, you don't get very far. And bringing it back to the top 14 and present day,
1: one player... Leaving a club who we were bigging up last week, weren't we? Benji Bryce, Heem, he's um, for family reasons, but he's leaving too long after this week's game against Breiv, isn't he? Yeah,
2: I didn't want to. I didn't want um, to hassle my mate Julian Dupy too much, but I, I think from what I hear, it's it's a pretty. Uh, it I, it's a compl- He's in a complicated situation. He needs to take care of his family. I think it's it's not. Um, he's not doing it uh, with a happy heart. So, so you know, you got to do what you got to do, and I think too long to be honest, I, I wasn't obviously involved in the conversations and stuff. But I think they they were pretty understanding, um, and and they helped him. So it's 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 pretty good to see that. So it's a, it's it's still I think it's very genuine and kind when the club accepts you. Like, listen, family, human beings, health reasons, whatever. That's much bigger than rugby, and they accepted, and I thought that's credit to them.
3: Also, very impressive for him. Inspired the issues or problems that he's been having, how well he's been playing. Like he's been part of that back three with Ice Toyava, who's come back at 15, Gabin Villiers on the other wing. He was amazing. Again, I did their game for Canal Plus against Stade Francais the weekend, like all three of them outstanding. So no, he's hoping whatever it is, it gets itself ironed out, um, sorts itself out, and he can get back happy and playing wherever he needs to be. And in the
1: top four team, we're, we're just over the sort of halfway point in the season now. And I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the second half of the season. It's a very tough campaign to judge with everything going on off the field. But um in terms of the top half of the table, is it kind of panning out as we expected?
2: Well, with, with the massive disappointment of Montpellier, they, they just can't get, get out of their, of their dark zone. And I think it's done now. They, they won't. Uh, it's, it's way too late. So Agen obviously are unfortunately sinking even lower than they that we thought they could have. Uh, really big problems. Uh, so they lost to against Toulouse. And even some former Agen guys who signed uh, in Toulouse since. Uh, Mikel, Balès, uh, Sofiane Guitou, and all those guys. Even then, and it was pretty harsh what they said in the media. They were like, "Listen, I was actually ashamed of the behavior of some of the Ajahn yeah. players who had a smile on their face after two tries that we put on." So Toulouse guys felt more more uh, touched and hurt about the behavior of Ajahn guys, uh, you know, it, by losing in Ajahn. So I think it's 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 pretty deep to know to say that there is a, a division in the Ajahn team. Some guys just can care less, unfortunately. Some guys are still hurt. And they're trying to fight, but it's not. It's not, it's not working. So, Ajahn are gone and that's a pretty sad story and Montpellier just cannot seem to get out of it. Uh, you, you wanted to speak about rumors so apparently Michael Cheka one is strong, yeah. very strong. He could, he could be the man for the job. He's obviously a very qualified manager who speaks French. Yeah. So that's a huge, huge um, upsides and if you, if you give him the quality, if the, if the, president actually gives them a bit of time and, and possibility to to do well. It could be, it could be a game changer, but to do that, they had to be in top 14 next
3: year. But I, I would say that the biggest, if you remove, so, so the, the big bonus with that, if you're the team that loses the pro do final, it's, actually, it's really hard mentally because you've just lost your final years crumbling, but you get a second bite of the cherry for promotion because you get to play at home in front of your fans against mm. the 13th team from top 14. But that's the important bit is in front of your fans. Now, if you have all that quality, if you have Louis Picamol, Autra all these guys coming down to a neutral venue, you, you, you they have to be stronger than a pro. I don't care. They're stronger than every top four scene side normally. They're not they're not performing, but they've got to be better than like a Perpignan or a they have to be. Like I just I can't see, even if they finish 13th, which is looking like it's going to be between them or Bayon or possibly Poe, I would say there's more chance of Montpellier pulling their finger out for one game with the quality that they have and winning that one-off game than a team like Bayon or Poe, who had less, less quality in their squad. So, mate, really, really struggling. Montpellier are properly in the shit. Check are absolutely, like, the Stade Francais team that he had eight, nine years ago, were fantastic. He did a great job with Stade Francie um, and really hard to play against, really hard to break down. Obviously, a French speaker, I think he'd be a great addition. Probably the first serious coach they've had since Vern Cotter. Um, but again, the latest in the line in the sort of merry-go-round of the Montpellier story. So they need to sort it out. They need some stability. If they take Checa, need to give him four or five years and just say, look, you're a good coach, international coach, take your time, bed in um, and do it properly. But yeah, the bottom of the table is an absolute mess. The top of the table, I think, as would be expected to lose La Rochelle, Toulon, Racing, Clermont, Bordeaux, six of the strongest sides. They're all sitting pretty at the top.
1: And just briefly on Agen, who you mentioned, Benji, we know about their problems. It's not looking likely. Are they going to win a game between now and the end of the season? Or are they going to go down as the worst team ever in top 14 history?
2: Unfortunately, imagine all the teams that are going to go play in Agen. That could potentially be a little bit weaker. Bayonne already beat them. Uh, Montpellier, I don't think they've played there already. But when they are going to go? It's going to be the game of the century because that's the only game that they'll be able to play. So every single team, nobody's going to go there relaxed. You know, it's going to be, it's it's a live or die sort of situation. Everybody needs to get points there because nobody nobody lost there. So um, to be totally honest, from what I see at the moment, I don't see them winning the game, unfortunately.
3: (laughs) Not at all. Especially not like you made the point, their attitude. Like even if they don't have the quality... It's more guys are walking around the pitch. That was what the Toulouse players said. They said, look, some guys were smiling after they conceded yeah. two tries, but it was, it was the work. The people were just walking, not interested, couldn't be bothered. Mm, they've lost. Ibedoy already has gone to Montpellier, their best player, signed there, started playing, got injured again last weekend. But, mate, they are in a spot baller. We
1: will see whether they go down as the worst team, statistically anyway, in top 14 history.
3: Thanks, Johnny. Thanks,
1: Benji. big thanks to Jamie Noon, super agent, for coming on. We'll watch uh, the Johnny Sexton to Clermont <laughs> move with interest. Uh, and thanks to all of you for listening as well. Make sure you hit subscribe, leave us a nice review. We love them and we will be back with another episode next week. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Cheers fellas. Bye.